Welcome to Stark Contrast, a Game of Thrones podcast. I'm Josh Rosenfield. I'm here with Soren Howe. We're going to talk about Season 6, Episode 3, Oathbreaker. Uh, this is a big episode for me. Not a big episode for a lot of people, I found. <laughs> but Soren, what did you think overall? Not a big episode? Well, yeah, it, it's funny. The overwhelming reaction that I saw, just on Twitter, really, is people saying, oh, that was kind of a shitty episode. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? That's bizarre. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> I uh... Sorry for talking while taking a drink out of a water bottle. Oh. I forgot we were talking. I forgot pe- other people were going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is just our <laughs> weekly conversation. That has nothing to do with the rest <laughs> of the world. Yeah, no, um, I, uh, I thought that this was a, a, a fantastic episode. I thought it was probably the best episode yet this season. Yeah, me um, too. And which is which is crazy. I messaged you afterwards like Soren, something's wrong. I really like the Game of Thrones episode. This the season's only been getting better as it's gone on, which is Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um <laughs> trying to think. Uh yeah, I, I really liked it. I guess it didn't have all those you know, just last week we were talking about like, oh maybe they're gonna have too many twists per episode or whatever, but there weren't really many or any. Yeah. So Or, or any. But I think that's why people were like Oh, it's not you know nothing happened or it's sort of a a nothing episode, but mm. you see what I'm saying? Like I think that yeah, that, no, exactly. I think that's it's just it didn't take up the 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 news cycle or it wasn't like something you could talk about. It was just follow up from all the crazy stuff that happened last episode. But so much cool stuff happened. Benefit. Yeah, well, it has the benefit of just being good television and being good television in a lot of ways that Game of Thrones usually isn't that we'll get into in ways that we've criticized it for not being in the past Um, which was bizarre to me because I had just kind of accepted that Game of Thrones was never going to be good at certain things Uh, but then it was good at them this week right right (laughs) So, so my this episode just blew my mind. Yeah, so it was it was not only good, but I think the overarching theme, and we can come back to this however much uh, you'd like. Um, but I think the overarching theme is that the show is liberated from the books, and it can do what it wants, mm. and it's just so much better for it. Not because the books are bad or good; it's irrelevant. It's in trying to fit the stuff in from the books. They. That was what was so you know strange about the series i feel like is that um every time there was a storyline they wanted to add or they were like well you know we have to do something with danny because it happened you know for like three books she's just wandering around you know in a desert and you know (laughs) going back and forth between these cities and ruling or whatever and so i'm sure the writers were like wow it'd be great if we could do literally anything with this character but we our hands are tied we have to do what the books were doing and it and it might work in the books it might work well in the books i don't know i've heard complaints about that even in the books but yeah <laughs> but now that they don't have to do that they can make decisions that george r r martin didn't make and it's not that one is better or worse it's just in time, in adapting something you're sort of bound by the I mean, they took some some leniency, but they basically were bound by the narrative of the of the books, and now they're not. Yeah, which is which is funny because this episode actually introduces yet another plot thread that I forgot that they are adapting from the books. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, which, yeah, so and we'll talk about that. It's a kind of a small thing, but I, it was another thing like um, like uh, Pike last week that I just kind of thought they were never going to do. Right, right, right. Um, because they had skipped over it, but yeah, it's you're right. It's the freedom of being able to kind of, you know, move around basically in terms of the pacing has really shown this season. Like you say, you know, when they're kind of 
when they set themselves to like we're doing one book a season, especially early on when they really stuck to that. Oh yeah, you could feel them like struggling. Like the whole struggle of the writing was just to fit everything into this, you know, ten episode package. Yeah, to either to make it line up across. also timeline wise, you know, exactly. Yeah, and two, that's just impossible. Well, season two suffered the most for that because that was you know Daenerys wandering around the desert for the first three, four episodes of that season, or we didn't even see her maybe for one of them. I don't know. But she wanders around because they're like, oh, well, she has to... We want the culmination of her in getting her dragons back to also line up with the rest of the finale. And then they ran out of time, and they had to cram it all into this extended finale and did the whole thing, and it was really messy. And But they don't have to do that now. They can do whatever they want. They just have to get to the goal that they're... You know, the, end, the general end goal. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, well, like, the problem is in just, in trying to adapt a book like this for television, you kind of have, you, you just can't match the pacing. You can't make it the same. A television no, pace and a book pace, you just can't do it, which is gonna, which leads to the problem that Game of Thrones had for a long time, which is feeling like these storylines are just stretched out so, so long, and it, you know, for five episodes, what Arya has done nothing, mm. uh... And it, you know, just very, like, taking baby steps toward whatever her end goal of the season is. Uh, but, you know, because in the book, she only has so many chapters, and she's doing things in each chapter, right, but they're exactly. really spaced out. Exactly. They're really far, you know. But it's but it, that doesn't work in a 10-episode TV season. But now, yeah, right, you're right. Now that they are kind of free of that structure completely, um, it's letting them move in the way that best fits a TV show. Exactly. And, I, you know, I've, really that shows this episode, I think. Exactly. And, and and this is comes back to, not to get into a whole discussion about adaptation, but this comes back to the fundamental question of adaptation, which is, to me, and I think you probably agree with this, but I don't want to speak for you, and that is that you when you adapt something for a new medium, you adapt it to fit the new medium. And if that means changing something, even if it's it feels almost fundamental, you have to. You know, so, mm-hmm. maybe, for example... I completely agree. For example, what you might do with, and they didn't do this, but what they might have, instead of sticking to the books, they should have let each story go to go at its own pace. So that even though, let's say, John lets the wildlings through uh, at the same time that, I don't even remember what happened last season, but like at the same time as whatever, Cersei does her walk of shame, right? Even if that's yeah. what happens in the books, then... In the story, maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe he spent too much. Maybe maybe pacing wise, that doesn't work. So maybe he lets them through way earlier than that, when the High Sparrow first, you know, starts making moves in the city. Maybe it happens even earlier than that, and and you allow the timelines in the series to be different than the books, which they did, but not enough to like make it balance. So why not have the yeah. culmination the of st- Daenerys' storyline in season two happen in like episode five instead of episode ten? Yeah, and the struggle with that, of course, you know, it, it comes with the added struggle of they do kind of have to vaguely line up because they affect each other, and they have to, you know, they don't directly intersect, you know, often, but stuff will happen where, you know, King's Landing has to hear about the Red Wedding at a certain point, uh, so there has to be, you know, they have to line up in that way. When big events happen, people have to hear about it um, in a reasonable amount of time. So I think there's the struggle of you can free yourself, but you also it also does have to, you know, make sense. To some extent, but as like, part for of example, um, you know, Sam doesn't know anything about John's death and resurrection and uh, Arya has no idea what's going on with everyone else. So and Dan, I mean, Daenerys, really, most of her life has nothing to do with anyone else except for when Tyrion and Varys come over. 
Uh, so there was no reason, really, for any... That could have happened at any pace. Um, no, you're right. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not often that that would become a problem, but especially now that more storylines are converging than they have in the past. You know, but of so course it, now it they're free, so now they can do it. They can do a lot, any number of well, things. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, so let's, uh, let's leap into this episode. Right. It begins where we left off with uh, Jon Snow waking up. And I just want to say, the cover of Entertainment Weekly this week was a big picture of Kit Harrington saying, He's back! Oh, Mike, okay, you, you want, I was going to talk about this. I saw that, <laughs> so, um, it, it may, be, may have been this week, they posted that image on Facebook the day after that episode aired. Yeah, I saw that, So, yeah. I saw um, it before I saw the episode. Yeah, it's terrible. People are terrible. <laughs> and, and, now, and now there's all these articles coming out that are like, well, we polled our members, and they said they don't care about spoilers, so really, I guess spoiler people should just be up. You know, I'm like, listen, I understand this is the world we live in, and maybe Twitter is not the best place to worry about spoilers. I try to avoid Twitter if I haven't seen Game of Thrones. I get it. But, like, a little bit of courtesy, something. Yeah. Honestly, if I see a status where somebody says, uh, you know, Game of Thrones spo- spoiler warning, I don't just scroll past it. The problem is when it starts with, well, now that John's back, okay, well... <laughs> I can't unsee that. I can unsee, oh, spoiler. Okay, well, then I'm just going to hide the status or skip it or whatever. You know? Mm. It's just it's a, it's just a little bit of courtesy. That's all. It's not like, yeah. you know, that's all. Uh, but in any case, so, uh, John. Yeah, well, the re- yeah, well the, I just want to say the reason I wanted to talk about that oh, okay. magazine cover is because the article, the subheadline of that cover is inside the top secret two-year plan to right. kill Jon Snow and bring him back. And I read the article, and the it's an the whole article about this top secrets, you know, two-year plan is just Kit Harrington saying, "Yeah, I had to lie to people." <laughs> well, that was the extent of the plan. That's what. It, so I didn't. It was like, yeah, of course it was. There's no secret. We all knew this was going to happen. I didn't name it last episode when we were talking, but that was the article I was talking about when they were talking about, oh, you know, how we managed to keep it a secret. <laughs> like that was that was it. that one and maybe another one I saw where it, you know, there's all these articles like the best kept secrets in the industry and how they managed to keep this a secret. Like, oh my god. And not to mention the fact that, again, you waited one day, and it wasn't even supposed to... The article didn't even come out till I guess, this week, or... I don't know. Why why ruin it for yeah. everybody? Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. Then again, we also <laughs> predicted it, so it was like... I just didn't know what episode was going to be. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the trade-off, yeah. Um, so, so uh, but yeah, so we, we pick up where we left off, and uh, I thought it was so funny... First of all, I, I was thinking about last week. We were talking about how you, um, with the resurrection, how they were going to reveal it and what they were going to do to reveal it because we knew what was about to happen, but they were holding off. I thought it might have been funny to have him stumble in the door or something while they're, mm-hmm. you know, while while uh, Sir Davos and the Red Woman and everything are in the next room, just like I don't know, eating or kind of like upset or quietly talking, and if he just like sort of falls in the door, like drunkenly. And everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Um, but instead, we got <laughs> yeah. This... The way th- it's it's not really clear what's going on because it opens with Davos staring at him, right? But I thought Davos left the room. They all did. So yeah. so this episode was really fun, or this this reveal was really funny because, uh, as we get later when we come back to John, but we didn't get to see anyone's reaction to him being alive, really, except for the mm-hmm. rest of the Night's Watch. But like. So Davos and and Melisandre and uh, Tormund, they're just kind of like, they already know. And then when we see the traitors later, when we get into that part of it, um, we didn't get to see their faces when they find out the guy they killed is alive. 
You know, it's just kind of like they already know, and we just jump right into it. I just found that really funny. Yeah, it seems like every you know, yeah, it does seem like especially with you know Alistair, his when we get to him later, it really feels like everyone on the show kind of predicted it was going to happen too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, because like like we did like the way that we treated his death with like well he's going to come back. It really you get the impression that uh, they're just like oh well we tried. It's like oh well yeah of course that's what we thought was going to happen, <laughs> and uh, you know I loved his reunion scene with Tormund. I thought that was really funny. Right. Um, so I love I love Tormund in this scene. I have a lot of like underlined like awesome love this awesome stuff uh, in my notes. <laughs> but Tormund, you know, he makes a penis joke. Yeah, which by the way is all his dialogue in the book. Really? Basically, so. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> Half his dialogue is about how big his dick is. Well, what I love about this is that you know he's like they all think you're a god, but nah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was cool, and I also really I found it really interesting when John first woke up when when Sir Davos is talking to him. It was really funny when he's like, I know you just came back from the dead, and that's insane. I Like, that's crazy <laughs> to me. This is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. And it so rarely happens on this show where people react like things are crazy. Yeah. It's just like, oh, no, she's sleeping with his brother. Oh, no, there's dragons. Oh, no. And it, it, it's not... It's not like people aren't in awe or whatever, but it, it, it brings to mind this. You know in Jurassic Park... So I have a friend who's uh, who's written for our site. Uh, his name's Patrick Murphy, and he he likes to talk about the scene in Jurassic Park when they first see the dino- the first dinosaur, and they're amazed, right? Like they are amazed to see a live dinosaur. But he's like, no, a real paleontologist in real life would lose their minds. There is no context where they would not be freaking out. They might pass out. They might. I I mean, and it would be cartoonish, and maybe it wouldn't work well in a movie. It's just so funny to see how like they don't react the way you might expect, you know, paleontologists to. And in this context, it's the same thing where like someone just came back from the dead, and people are in awe and they're sort of amazed or they're afraid or whatever. But it's it it's really Sir Davos is probably the first time somebody's been like, "Oh my God, what just happened?" And I just, I dug <laughs> that. And I also found it really interesting. Melisandre's like, what happened after you died? And we get, a, like, a definitive answer on the afterlife in, in this world, <laughs> which is nothing. Nothing happened. Yeah, that was incredible. I loved that. What a moment, huh? That's a pretty big yeah, statement. Yeah, well, especially since, yeah, so much of this show is about the competing religions of Westeros. Right. And we've, and I, I love that they just answer the question. He's like, no, nothing happens when you die. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's so. Uh, I love this scene. I loved everything about Sorry. this scene. Yeah. So I, it was just it was a great moment, and it's a pretty. It's almost. You know what the other thing I think it was the first thing that popped into my my mind. It was like a confirmation of the the nihilistic worldview this show seems to have. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because my favorite line of the episode is when John says, "I did the right thing." Yeah. And I got murdered right. for it. <laughs> like, well, they all wrap it up, guys. That's the show. <laughs> What's so funny about that is like that he knows about Ned. <laughs> yeah. Like he knows that happened and also he lived in this world. <laughs> like we know it as observers, but like everyone who does the right thing dies. <laughs> All the time. It's so yep. funny that he's like surprised that this is what happened. He's just like I did the right thing and then died. And mm. everyone who's watching the show yeah, is like it's... uh it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought that was great, but I liked it. You know, as all as much as bizarre as all this was, I I liked it. I did genuinely enjoy it. Yeah, I like, and you know, before we get off this, I do like. I want, I'm going to talk about the filmmaking of this episode a lot because it's very good. I like how they play it, like you say, like they underplay it. Um, they don't have a lot of like, you know. They they don't present the scene like we're supposed to be shocked, probably because they knew we wouldn't be. Um, and, you know, because we, obviously we saw it last episode. But, you know, this resurrection, which is such a titanic moment in the plot of the show, is presented as kind of, by the camera anyway, in the editing, kind of like casually. It's, you know, John might have might as well have just woken up from sleeping. Right. And Davos sees him and gives him a coat or whatever. Right, right. right. And it's so, it's such a cool way to, like, present, to you know, to underplay it like that is a... Resisting the temptation to go big that the show often doesn't. Right. Well, not only that, it also resists the temptation to make this into a uh, a a you know Messiah parallel, you know, a Jesus story, because uh, it could have. Yeah. Melisandre does. Melisandre does her best, though. Um, she does. She does, and that's part of that that uh, lore, or part of that religion. Certainly, this Messiah, the idea of the Messiah, and all the rest of it. So it's not like. It's not like it's not there, but in every way is this not Man of Steel. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't rise up and, like, stretch his arms out so he vaguely looked like a cross and sort of, you know, like he was on a cross. And he didn't, you know, there was no... It, it, Man of Steel's so on the nose, and this was so, like, casual, as you said. It, you know, she may be talking about that, but they, they, the filmmakers aren't trying to make it that. It's just more yeah. part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is next? Sam and Gilly. Um, right. This is the thing. So this is again, um, the small bit of adaptation that they're getting to. I thought they would just kind of skip over it, but then I remembered that last season they, you know, when Sam when Sam goes to Old Town, I was like, oh well, I guess they're gonna do that now. But it's probably gonna be completely different because he talks about going to his family. Right, right. So we'll get that. So we'll, you know, we'll see. But it, and you know, it's a cute scene. It's you know it's the first time I've because I I usually don't like them together I mean I don't it's not that I don't like them but like they their storylines haven't really done it for me in the past um, season or two uh, I didn't find Gilly compelling which is awful because what's horrible about, about Gilly is unlike Masande and Grey Worm which we'll talk about later oh my god <laughs> um, <laughs> unlike them where it's that the fact that the writers decided to give them no personality. In this case, um, her lack of character is part of her, like, it was how she was raised. And, like, her backstory is so awful exactly, and so depressing yeah. that I, I feel bad not finding her interesting, but, like, she's not interesting. She's never, like, done anything in her life, ever. And her whole situation is so upsetting and sad and also not terribly interesting because basically her whole role has been to hide and sit and complain to Sam <laughs> about things. And so, you know, we open on the boat and it, it's bookended by Sam throwing up and it's uh, it's got this, this sweet dialogue where he's trying to explain and say, like, I need to do this, but we need to, you know, I want to, I'm going to face my father so that I can or at least try and get you past my father so that you can have a place to stay and I'm going to protect you. And then Gilly says, you know, you are, you are 
this kid's dad and it's just really sweet and i was like really invested in it i was really invested in what was going on yeah it's a brief you know kind of setup scene but again i agree it's it is more than i have previously liked sam and gilly just i think they're better written uh than they usually yeah. are so yeah so I'm, and by the way the writing in this episode in general was very good the way yeah, things were definitely. on the nose it was very snappy it was good um yeah. i think i wrote that down at some point i wonder what the context was I guess we'll, hmm. we'll maybe we'll get there. Um, but then the flashback. Oh yes. Oh the yes. The flashback. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we got introduced to like new characters who we don't know. Not Howland Reed, which I guess we didn't know before. I mean, we knew him in context, but this guy with the two swords and Arthur Dane. Yeah. The sword of the morning. Yeah, none of that means ah. anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but uh, he was cool, right? Well, they were just like, oh, badass, badass night guy. Yeah, he fought with two swords. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and he killed like five people. He only died because yeah. somebody came up behind him. This was a great... Um, so, right off the bat, uh, this is a big scene. Fans have been anticipating this scene for a long right. time because uh, it may or may not confirm a certain long-held theory. Right. And, of course, they cut off the scene right before the moment that would actually confirm it. But I like that Arthur Dane has two swords because in the books it's a big deal that he has this one sword. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. So I I thought it was so funny, you know, like... Well, first of all, it makes no sense. No. Like, no no knight ever Maybe he's ambidextrous. Maybe he's ambidextrous. No, but I mean, like, it's not... uh, They were, like... I'm not an expert on medieval history in any way, shape, or form, so somebody's probably going to be like, actually, there was this guy who did that. But I, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> just what knight ever in the history of humanity that you can you think of whoever fought with two swords? Samurai, certainly, but they had light swords that were meant to be one-handed. This two-handed sword thing seems bizarre. General Grievous, hello. General Grievous, yeah, exactly. But again, yeah. those were all based on exactly, um, Star Wars, which is based on samurai. It's based on... Yeah. Right, so... So it's just basically real life. Which is basically, yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> and then the, for the first time we got an, a, someone based on a night with, uh, you know, Kylo Ren and that whole cross guard thing. Um, but that was, that was, that was bizarre. But again, that was based on like, I, I've never heard of a two, a two sword fighting person that said it made the scene very cool. And I think perhaps most importantly, the thing we've talked about time and time again, they didn't cut around the action. They just oh my filmed God, the fight. Right? This was so good. <laughs> As I saw it, I, I was again, like, this like is I, what Josh is thinking of. I know. Re- oh, my God. I was freaking out because I was excited to see the scene. It was like, I was like cuts. this is really. Exactly. The, the they, keep it, they keep all the action, you know, within the frame. It's not too close. You can see what's right. going on. They don't cut around. They don't, yeah, they don't chop it up into little bits from every different angle. They just set, you know, have the camera locked on to the five people and show them fighting. And how many times, I swear to God. You know, I want to do a supercut of all the times in this podcast where we've complained about the fights, right, right. because we do it a lot. Right. Because the fights are usually so bad, but this was amazing. This was—I I was like, I can't believe Game of Thrones is even capable of a fight this good. So I like this—the camera work on this. I don't know if I was like in love with the choreography of the fight, um, but I'm really used to like amazing choreography in Spartacus and, and that kind of thing. But oh. that said, it's irrelevant because. We could see what was going on. The emotion and narrative of what was going on was completely conveyed, and I believed all of it. So, and and here's the other thing I'll say: Spartacus has beautifully choreographed fights that never, ever would ever happen ever. 
They're absurd <laughs> and escapist and, and silly. This looked like, yeah, you know what? In, if this was a medieval fight and we had somehow video cameras back then, it probably looked something like this. You know? It looks like a skirmish. Mm-hmm. It's exact, I mean, it looks real, except for the two-sword thing. So it, it, And it totally worked. I like the fact that he was surrounded, and so he had to use the two swords and sort of block things and killed a bunch of dudes and... And they, yeah, they set up the basic kind of emotional center of the fight so oh, well. Yeah. You know, Ned looks Ned looks up at the tower and says, "My sister's right. in there." And it's like, "Okay, well now we, uh, boom, now you can fight." Right. You know, there's not a, there's not all this baggage, you know, that they have to explain uh, in order to get us invested. Here's a character who we, you know, may or may not miss, and it's cool that we're seeing him young, and he has, you know, a an objective that anyone can relate to, and he's gonna fight, and it's gonna be cool. And it's just like, boom, done. And I was so worried about this scene. I was so worried they were going to screw it up, mostly because um, the language, uh, the dialogue, um, George R. R. Martin's dialogue is a lot more, uh, I don't want to say flowery, but like uh, poetic and kind of it flows in a very different way than the show does, which works better for literature because um, he's a very good writer. But it wouldn't really, it might not play on a TV show. It would, you know, yeah, it would seem like everyone was like where they've used lines from the book and it just doesn't fit the way the show is written. Yeah, and and they yeah, exactly. But but they they kept it, you know, from what I remember, mostly intact. They cut a bunch of lines, but they kind of kept the dial most of the important lines and the structure of the conversation and it works and it's it's just this great moment of like you know, people have been waiting for the scene for a long time. Uh you didn't screw it up. You kind of, you know, you kept, you kept in the stuff that people wanted to see, but you weren't. It wasn't a slavish adaptation to its own detriment. You did it well. You changed things if you had to. Uh, obviously, you cut off before the important part, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll, well see the other so half of the scene it's eventually. It's interesting how it ends too. Uh, two things happen. One, we hear a scream. That I'm just gonna say it sounds a lot more like a labor scream, not a I'm in pain because someone's hurting me scream. Uh, mm-hmm. like totally did not sound. It was <laughs> it's it sounded as if somebody was in labor. Um, yeah. So that's the first thing. I know it was intended to be misleading, but I think it's pretty clear. And the other thing yeah, is definitely. is that this whole thing's being observed. So Brand's watching this, and again, I think it's a clever narrative device because we're getting all this background, and um, it, it it you get this moment at the end where Brand seems to affect the memory. Yeah, that was really cool. That was very interesting. So um, strange. Yeah, the the idea that he can... Well, because the Three-Eyed Raven has, you know, visited him in certain ways in the past and kind of spoken to him, you know, obliquely or through dreams and stuff like that. So if this... To me, this is setting up the idea that he is kind of gaining that ability in a way. But was, uh, that, to, was that a memory that the the... Red Raven was telling him stuff in the past, or was it? Well, that's the that's question. The question. Yeah, is this just is or this is like you know a hollow deck? Yeah, is this a hollow deck from Star Trek, and they're just you know it's a recreation, or are they actually traveling back in time? Right. That we don't really know how this is operating. We don't, but, but he seemed very you know, cagey about it. Yeah, yeah, he said, didn't he? He said something like, you know, the past is already written; you can't change it. Right. But does that mean that you doesn't mean change that, it, or does that mean you yeah, can't? And that, yeah, well, does that mean you can't, or does that mean that you know Ned Stark always heard a whisper and turned around, uh, and now it's now it's looped back exactly, to right. when that actually happens. 
Yeah. All I'm saying and is time travel will be a weird but interesting thing to throw into this. Definitely. I mean, you know, not the, probably not the weirdest thing on the show. Probably not. <laughs> but definitely, I mean, yeah. There's a character it's... called the Three-Eyed Raven, who's a man who been, <laughs> who's grown into a tree for a thousand years. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it does add a new a new level to this, which is very interesting. Mm. Uh, so, oh, and the last thing is, you know, he's very he's very emphatic about, and I think this is the part that I I said there was strong writing. It didn't feel like silly. Um, Sorry, hold on. Um, <laughs> it didn't feel silly what he was, what the three-eyed raven was telling him. Um, it didn't feel over the top or goofy. He's just like, no, you need to learn how to control your powers because you need, and you need to learn all of this. Uh, yeah. And it just felt like it's driving towards something. And I was, I don't know. It's sold. I was sold. Definitely sold on on. Um, on, on this, I don't know where it's going, but I, it feels like it has a sense of purpose, just as it did last episode, where um, the the child of the forest told Mira that Bran's gonna. Need yeah, her. and now we know that her her dad was involved in in this whole thing too. Right. So that's how she connects. I all, but speaking of which, the other the last thing I'll say about the scene is that I like the moment where Bran says, "I've heard this story a million times," but then he's surprised to see that his dad stabs Arthur Dane in the back. Well, um, his dad doesn't. Or no. Is it Howland? Howland stabs him, but then Ned... Uh, the, and that catches him off guard for Ned to deliver Wait, the he does give blow. him the killing ball, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it is, you know, it's underhanded in that yes. way. But I like this moment where, you know, he's kind of seeing uh, the myth that his, of, of, his, of himself that his father built up. Right. It uh, also introduces the idea that he down. lied about what happened. Exactly, uh, yeah. Because that gets to what's in the tower, which... What's in the box? Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was, I really enjoyed that. Um, and uh, then we just, it's this. what's funny about this episode. Oh, can I say my crazy theory, though? Oh, you have a crazy sorry theory? sorry to interrupt. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have a crazy theory that's not true, but <laughs> I like it. Um, so, we have Mira, uh, who is one, the daughter of one of the two people to... Uh, you know, survive this encounter and see what's in the tower. Yep. A pop, a popular theory that's been popular for a while is that the is that uh, John is the baby. It's never been confirmed. Um, my crazy theory is that John and Mira are twins. Are twins? Yeah, and Ned took one, and Howland took the other. Oh, really? And they both got that curly black hair. <laughs> <laughs> see, okay, now I can see that. No, logically, but the show's putting no energy into making Mira important. No, you're right. That's why it's a crazy, you know, Might that's why I'm entirely books. inventing this. No, it's not even in the books oh, either okay. at all. I'm just making it up because I think it would be cool. It would be cool. It would be cool. Um, I also wonder how much the the uh, the Reeds knew, the kids. That's true, yeah. We don't get Mira's perspective on this right. scene. Um, one thing that I would love to know is, uh, or just to talk about, is how this show, this episode... I find it amazing they didn't open with the the flashback, because to jump yeah. into it suddenly, um, they don't really use any meaningful way to distinguish it except for that. I loved that. Yeah, it's until you see Bran, you don't really know what's going on. You don't exactly, and I kind of like that. And I also but that's also a way some you might introduce an episode. You know, with some you don't know what's going on, what's the context of what's going on. 
Um, mm -hmm. Again, I don't have a problem with it at all. It was very easy to understand. But it, it felt like they were treating us like adults. Like, oh, we can tell that this is a flashback once we get a little bit of context for it. Uh, and honestly, there's so many storylines. I think people take a while to adjust and figure out what's going on anyway with every with every storyline. So, <laughs> um, But yes, so then uh, from here we go to Daenerys over in... Uh... Right. This is a That's, big uh... I, I like seeing Vyas Dothrak in the opening credits again, by the way. I missed it's it. It's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, the kind of, you know, the sideways shot going through the horses. Right. It's been a while. Right, right, right. Uh, and I like that I like that it it doesn't just change, like, oh, we're seeing different places. It's how the camera moves through the world that's, that's different. It's, it's cool. Mm. Um, so she's here. Uh, she's, still, she's still getting no respect. No respect. <laughs> um, she's still using all her titles to try and get people to listen to her uh which doesn't seem to be working <laughs> yeah um it, she's gotta like she actually does chill on it she doesn't say all of them to the woman she doesn't she doesn't she says like three of them and i think maybe that's you know you know maybe that's her like all right look i, I, I can't say all of them to every person. <laughs> i'm exhausted you know i'll just say like the three important ones but like at least 30% of her dialogue so far this season has been her titles <laughs> yeah it's her saying her name and her titles <laughs> um I will say that uh, I, I read a theory about about Daenerys and this whole situation, and I think part of it was that there's something in the books that's not in the show that she's been having a lot of visions. Um, she does have a lot of like portentous dreams right. in the books. I don't really remember any of them. Um, so I don't. But have yeah, you read this theory. I don't think so, no. So it's this whole theory, and I, I hope it's not spoiling for anybody, because I don't think there's this is necessarily important, but the idea is that she's been having visions, and she has this one vision about the the woman of mountains, or the mountain woman, or something, and basically it's this sort of prophecy that she ends up, because these women become sort of soothsayers, right? And so... Mm -hmm. Anyway, the the way this theory and it's like a Reddit theory that's based on on some of the things in the books that her visions become so powerful that she is she sort of ascends to the head of these and it's just a guess but that she would ascend to the head of these soothsayers and not only that that other people would start recognizing her ability and also the fact that she um, rides the steed of all steeds, which is a dragon, and the fact hmm. that the dragons aren't just her kids, but were born in the fire of Caldrogo's pyre, uh, that yeah. by all of those rights, she ends up leading the the uh, Dothraki, but not just the Dothraki, like her group, but everyone. Everyone. And that's why she has to be at the center of the Horde right now. That would be a cool way to circle back to the beginning of her story. Exactly. Where she, you know, she just ends up go she ends up ending back up with the Jothraki and leading them in a charge on Westeros right. like she was originally but planning like with to. Quintuple that would be cool. The yeah. force. I think it's super cool. Um, when they realized like a dragon is better than a horse. Come on. Yeah, well, Which I mean, the Avatar has story. to show up I mean, eventually. It's, it's Avatar. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's Drogon still... has to show up eventually. I assume he'll make, like, you know, there'll be some dramatic moment where he finally shows up again, and she's like, hey, you remember when I said I was a mother of dragons? Right. Guess what? Dragon. Literally. Literally the yeah. mother of so, <laughs> Yeah, it was not metaphorical. <laughs> um, so, we'll see. yeah, I'm sure maybe that'll factor in into her, like, gaining some power over the Dothraki. I gotta say, also, I'm so excited. For, I, 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 it feels bad, because I feel like They've taken away her agency to some degree because she's here. 
and she's not in control. She was in, she's a prisoner, basically. They're making her stay here, all the rest of it. So I don't want to say she's interesting when they take away her agency and, and hurt her character, but her storyline's interesting again. And That's and true. I just I don't it feels horrible because I don't want to I don't want to just well, no, I mean she's you know what I mean she's more interesting when she like has places to go I and feel things like things to do uh, exactly yeah well, yeah when she's just sitting in her freaking throne room. sitting in her pyramid yeah. exactly when she's not just lounging in the pyramid listening to people complain uh, and she's actually out there like getting things done it's interesting well she's not really getting huh. anything what a concept done, I guess but yeah she's things are happening in her storyline she's moving from <laughs> point A to point B. Um, and she's in danger. I mean, I think that's the other part of it. She, you know, the the head of this this group of people is like, you know, if they let you, because you didn't do the right thing, if they let you stay, this could. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. She's gonna. Uh, there's gonna be a trial. A trial, or, right? Or exactly. So you know, but I think that's when. But see, the problem with my theory, or with that theory, it's not my theory. The theory I told you about is that she hasn't had any visions in this version of the story in yeah the movie, in the show right so i mean i think well i think they would pare that down to just drogon showing up and say and her saying hey i've dragon and she gains that power well that or or uh, she starts gaining that ability throughout this season which is also a possibility that's true all but again like i'm gonna hedge my bets this season that things are gonna happen sooner rather than okay. later uh just because you know so we you're saying drogon about... shows up at the trial I wouldn't be surprised oh, at all. Yeah, I guess. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like he's the judge or the Dothraki judge or whatever it is is about to say you will be executed, and before he says the word executed, Drogon appears in a you know pyre. No, of what happens is she keeps saying that she's, you know, she's the the Khaleesi. She was the wife of the Great Call. She should lead the Dothraki, and they say that the the leader of the Dothraki you know rides the the great steed or whatever their culture thing is, mm-hmm. right? And that's when you know Drogon shows up, yeah, <laughs> um, or something like that. I think that's that's probably uh, reasonable. Um, but it's but it's yeah. funny we're talking about the Danny's story being interesting because then we immediately go to the word. Like I, I was so upset to see the pyramid room in Marine uh, in the very next scene because it just immediately brought back yeah. all those memories. <laughs> and yet, it's a great scene. And yet, yeah. <laughs> Amazingly, they they made Marine good. Yeah. I don't know what's going well, on it's Varys. in this writer's Again, room. Varys and Tyrion are fun. They've made Marine yeah. so much better. I, what I love about Varys in this scene is, you know, he always has this aura of, you know, I look harmless, but I could have you killed by snapping my fingers right, right. now. He just gives off that vibe all the time. So I like the idea that, you know, his secret is not that he is, you know, secretly violently powerful. His secret is that he's actually not that. He just uses that to intimidate people into accepting his very nice and generous uh, deals right. <laughs> for information. Right. And, it's a neat. And, and we know. get more information. So he. So one of the reasons. So I had complained about how he keeps talking about his birds. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. But then it's like a point of this episode. It's a. It's a point in the episode, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's interesting about it is that it sounds creepy. It does. He gives them candy. To, he gives kids candy to like spy on people for him. <laughs> yeah, which is weird. But they all seem completely fine. Like he didn't do anything to them. He's just like, no, I, I actually want you to go. And he seems horrified by the idea of hurting any kids. You know, he's like, why would I ever do that? Kids are kids, except for Joffrey. Yeah, I guess. I, I know I'll conduct horrific experiments. You know, that defy 
the laws of nature and God and everything. Uh, but kids, no, I would never. Please. <laughs> well, Varys does. Um, I don't think Varys hurts the uh, kids. No, no, he doesn't. Or, I was, I was talking about Kyburn later. Right, right, Kyburn later. But I'm saying that Varys is the one who's horrified by the idea of hurting kids. That's right. And yeah. So that's why that's I was right. like, I remember. You know, it's so interesting to hear that. But then I got kind of weirded out. Does he think he's not hurting the kid? What is he doing to the kids? But then it turns out we see the kids later, and the, and the kids are like, no, no, he just gave us candy to go and. You know, smile people. And like, what are they? What else are they going to do all day? Right. It's a great. It's a great. It's a brilliant idea. And so uh, then Kyburn sort of builds on this, but he's actually kind of screwed up and weird. So, yeah. um, in any case, though, uh, I love this scene, and I also really like this new character, Va- Vala, Vala or Vala. Yeah, it's this is something again that like I don't ex- I don't expect the show to do these kind of callbacks. Um. Where, you know, I feel like a different version of the, the, the version of this show that I expected it to be, um, we wouldn't know who this person was. We would have no real understanding. We would just, it would just be explained to us who they are. And uh, then we do the scene. But no, like, they, you know, they show her in the previous Leon. This is a person who oh, was in they? a scene. See, I didn't see that. I, I, yeah, I she's she the. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, she's the person who. Uh, was in the brothel and she killed the one um, unsullied uh, in that scene last oh, season. Oh, interesting. Where she, where she lures him into bed and kills him. Oh, okay. That um, she's the, yeah, that's her. So they, I like that the show. I like her a is lot. Is kind of, yeah, and it, it's retroactively making that scene not just a throwaway moment and making her not a throwaway character. Right. Uh, that's that's great. It's you know this this isn't just a good episode for its own merit. Is it's actually fixing. <laughs> The things I episodes. used to not like about the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I, I, I like I liked how this whole interaction went down. Um, I think the actor is very good. I don't know who plays Vela, but I think she's she seems quite good. Uh, Mina Ryan. Mina Ryan. Um, and she she sells the whole thing, and I find it interesting to see her shift as she goes. You know, first she's defiant, and then she's you know, basically saying, I have no options. And then Varys convinces her, you know, and says, no, I'm going to give you money and you can leave. <laughs> She's like, yeah. oh, well, I guess I do have an option. Well, we don't often, we don't often see negotiations on this show go that no. way. Which I is, thought he was going to kill what her I love about horrible. The twist of this. Yeah, exactly. We never, it's always like the scene, you know, we see the scene with Ramsey over right, and over. Right, right, right. Uh, later in this episode, in fact, we'll get a very, you know, a scene of him negotiating and, and kind of implying violence. Right. But no, Varys is like, you know, here, here's my offer. Take some money and go, but just tell me what I want to know. You'll be fine. Right. And it, I love the, I love the idea of someone on Game of Thrones who's like, I don't have to hurt anyone. Right. It's like, what, what, a, what a novel concept right. for this world. Right. And it's funny because I have to assume Varys has had some hand in hurting plenty of people. Oh, probably, right? yeah. I think wasn't he yeah. at least partially responsible for the for Joffrey's murder? I mean, that's I have to flees. assume he was aware that it was going to happen, right? No, but that's part of why he flees. He like, doesn't he do something? Oh well, he he free he frees Tyrion. Oh, he helps free Tyrion, right? Uh, yeah, but yeah, he probably had something um, to do with. But Joffrey's yeah, I have murder. to. He's you have to assume he right. knew exactly because he knows everything. Well, I mean, that's the whole point, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so we get this this brief moment with uh, wait. So Kyburn is a little bit later then. Uh, first, there's a, a yeah. moment with Masande and and, and Grey Worm. Exactly. This is a 
very good it's scene. It's a great scene. When's the last time you said that about those two characters? Right? Oh. Well, what's okay? What's funny this. about this scene is it's it's like meta commentary on what we've been saying. For, <laughs> I guess years now. Wow. Uh, about this, wow. these two characters, Masande and Grey Worm, are boring characters, and this whole <laughs> this whole moment is Tyrion not being able to handle how boring they actually are. <laughs> you know, they've elevated these characters, and it's almost like the writers venting their frustration about these characters. Like, oh, we make Grey Worm and Masande important, and we have nothing to do with them because he's like a soldier. And Masande, I don't actually know why they can't turn her into an interesting character. There's no overt reason. She was a slave, but so yeah. what? She speaks 18 languages or whatever. How could you, how could you not come up with a story for her? But I just, regardless yep. of all that, this is like commentary on all the moments we've had with them in the past. It's <laughs> great. And Tyrion's so it totally is. Yeah. And yeah, it's really funny to see Tyrion in a situation because his whole thing for you know, five seasons was the witty retort is trading barbs with people. But now he's in a situation where, you know, people just won't talk to him. (laughs) And, and I love the idea of, of putting him in this, in that position where he has to try and initiate conversation, like, you know, even pleasant conversation. He's not trying to be witty in this moment. He's just trying to just talk to them at all. And the, you know, the idea of putting Tyrion in a room where, uh, people won't talk to him is such a brilliant concept. I can't believe it took this long for the show to right, get to it. Right, exactly. But again, I think this never happens in the book. So I, I think that here they're free to... Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with those characters. Maybe this is the, maybe that's the writer saying, we're done with these characters because they're so boring. <laughs> uh, they're going to become side characters again. I don't uh... know. Um, but now they can do that. They can do any number of things. Uh, and they can make these comments because... I guess if you haven't, the books haven't been written yet, and you or they're, you know, you're you're further down the line, you can't make a comment about a character who's going to end up being important later. But they can scrap these characters, or they can rewrite them, or this can be this can become the beginning of their actual character development, or any number of things, because now they have free reign to do whatever they want. Um, and I think that's I think that's pretty great. Yeah. Um. Great scene. Yeah, it is. It's a great scene, it's, and it's funny too. And also yeah. his awkward, you know, let's play games. Oh, games are this other thing, and like that's super awkward, yeah. and you know. <laughs> and I love, yeah, he, I love how he tries to play the drinking game without drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets halfway through the explanation and says, "Oh, I guess we'd, you would have to." Drink right, it would just be him getting drunk, <laughs> which is not really. A game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I thought it was really weird when Varys says. Uh, he comes in and he explains the situation. It turns out, I don't know why this was so hard to figure out, but the other slave owners in other towns, cities, were the ones who were supporting the... Yeah, like right? It's like, duh. Wow. <laughs> Surprise. Um, <laughs> it still doesn't explain... Yeah, the people who, who hate us are trying to kill us. Interesting. Well, it doesn't explain who the people are, just where they're getting their funding, but... Yeah. Yeah. And now it's back to the, oh, how do we negotiate with the rest of Slaver's Bay again? So I hope this doesn't get super mm-hmm. boring. Um... Yeah, fingers crossed. But I thought it was so funny when he when Varys says that men are fickle, but birds you can trust. And I was like, oh, with the birds again? Mm-hmm. Why are we... What do you mean? Who are the I, birds? Yeah, I thought of you when that happened, and then it cuts to this next scene. And it scene. immediately goes to Kyburn, right. Yeah. And you know what's nice about this scene? Actually, everything... This whole episode was good. Um, what's good about this scene is you get to see Jamie and Cersei and Kyburn and the mountain. Not nice people. Mm-hmm. Not good people. But they have each other. <laughs> And it made me feel good to see that they're not like because it's it was for a long time it was just Cersei alone, uh, mm. but it's like oh they have a little posse you know, and they're mm-hmm. like meeting they're like what do we do about this how are we what are we gonna do um, yeah 
And so, and I think that explains last episode where Jamie became aware of the imminent threat of the High Sparrow. Um, mm, yeah, it's yeah. I really like the scene. It's uh, you know, I like when the uh, he says to the kids like, "Don't worry, he's not going to hurt you. You know, just don't you know get near him right. or bother him in any way." <laughs> and the kids all kind of like go around him, terrified. Right. Uh, they also yeah, confirm the it's mountain... uh, it's the mountain, which is I think the first. Time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. They hadn't directly confirmed it yet. Just, but yeah, there it they is. They say this is Sir Gregor or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I liked that about the scene. Um, um, and it's interesting that Kyburn's co-opted. I guess he figured out how Varys did his thing and now he's doing... Now now Cersei's got a network of her own spies in the city, which is it's very interesting. Yes, I hope we get more scenes like we did in the premiere of, like, you know, ground-level King's Landing, like, peasants. Well, it was so interesting when she said, I want to know if anyone was talking about any of this stuff, and then you realize that's why um, the mountain knew who to kill because she had yeah. basically made it his mission or made whoever her, her people who were working for her figure out who these people were. and uh, Or maybe she had said to Kyber, and I want to know, and then now she knows how Kyber's doing it. Um, but in any way, in any case, exactly. that's how the mountain knew, you know, mm-hmm. through this little network that she's created. Um, but she's clearly very interested in knowing who's actively conspiring against her, or even just saying horrible things yeah, about even just, her. Yeah, even just talking about her, right. which is a little uh, little hint of paranoia that uh, I wonder if it's going to spool out into anything larger. Interesting. Yeah, no, I do wonder about that, too. Um, so, yeah, uh, then they have the small council meeting, which we haven't oh, had in a long this time. this scene was... I loved this it's a scene. Great scene. It was so funny because Cersei and Jamie walk into the small council of characters who we don't even remember who right. they are, and they're like, "Can we do something?" <laughs> All we do in King's Landing is have the same conversations over and right. over. Uh, there was a coup in Dorne. Should we do something right. about that? Maybe. There's a lot of stuff going on. Right. And Jamie like just sits down, and they're like, "You can't sit down." And he's like, why? Why? What? Yeah. Exactly. By what rule? <laughs> you know, um, it starts off on a humorous note. Then we get, uh, 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 well, what's her name? Tyrell. Yeah, I don't remember any of these people's names. It's, um... Marjorie's mom. It's Elena, Elena Tyrell, right. Mace, Mace Tyrell, and then, and then Pycelle and, uh... But, yeah. but, so it opens, it opens with, um, Pycelle making a, a you know, talking with the mountain standing right, <laughs> you know, you're standing right behind you joke, right? <laughs> then it moves into Elena making a, a joke about the Lannisters, pretty bold right to their faces uh yeah right it's hard to tell with your family you know it's like wow okay uh i don't know what you're getting at there but that was that was harsh and then the lannisters are like you know jamie and cersei are like the kids no one wants to play with and like well we're not leaving so and then they just sit down and they're like well you can't make us stay and then they just leave i mean it's so funny it's such a weird this is the most i've liked jamie and especially the most i've liked cersei ever probably the most i've liked them together yeah, yeah, because, yeah, this is a moment where they're like, yeah, well, because most of the time they're together, they're just, like, you know, boning down right. and boning talking down. about boning down. Oh um, but no, this is the moment where they walk into the small council and they're like, look, can we, like, do anything at all instead of just talk to each other all the well, time? The other question is, what side are the rest of them on? Clearly yeah. the Faith Militant have gone bananas. Yeah, right? And, and Elena and Cersei are still butting heads over whether or not Marjorie's the queen. It's like, oh my god, can we deal with the Faith Militant before we get back into our stupid spat about who's the queen? 
Yeah, exactly. Because like we're we're previously the you know we were supposed to be sympathetic to Olena because she was funny and we were on we were against the Lannisters, right? right? So she kind of tore you know tore down the Lannisters sometimes, and it was like, oh, I like her. Now it's like I'm I'm with the Lannisters on this one. Like you know, everything's crazy in the city right now, and you were doing nothing, and you would rather like you know. Well, I don't believe she's doing make nothing. witty retorts. I don't know what Olena's doing. I don't. She's doing. She's she's probably got something going on, but as far as we know, there's nothing happening. Happening. So exactly. Or she's thinking small, like, oh, how do we get Marjorie out of prison? Okay, but the Faith Militant have taken over the city. <laughs> Solve that problem, exactly. and your, your daughter will be free, and also able to rule. Even if she was free right now, she wouldn't be able to run the city because, again, the Faith Militant. Uh, your, you know, her husband. By the way, how long before King's Landing gets word that the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch was murdered and then came back to life? Right. right. <laughs> um. So yeah, this was this was this was a a great scene, and and so we'll see we'll see where they're going with it. Um, but I like the idea of them not um. Of this this weird power struggle that of the entire group that we that aren't the Faith Militant or the Lannisters and that we haven't even heard from in a while. So that was that was kind of an amazing uh, detour. Yeah. Um. So so then we get another uh, High Sparrow scene, but I, I like this one more than we've gotten recently. Yeah, I would like this one more if we haven't gotten this scene like three times already this season. Do you feel like we have. I feel like it's you know, I don't know like. I mean, I gotta be honest, like, when the High Sparrow starts talking, my eyes kind of glaze over. Because it's, it's not that the conversations are the same, it's like, that just he keeps saying the same things he over does. and over. But it's, this scene was, I like this scene for two reasons. One, clearly this is a High Sparrow versus Cersei, and who's going to be able to manipulate Tommen more. Yeah, you know? well, it's a development in that. It's a development yeah. in that, which is cool. And as I was doing this, maybe it's not this particular scene that did it, but I was thinking to myself, as he's like, oh, well, you know, the gods worked through them and worked through whatever... The seven sound like a complete fabrication. <laughs> a complete fabrication, you know. Um, <laughs> in the real world, and this is not a this is not a comment on any particular region, but in the real world, everyone sort of takes everything on faith. And and while I'm sure some people, you know, feel like they've observed miracles or whatever, that's that's their business. But for the most part, people are nobody's coming back from the dead, you know, every day. Like these <laughs> things aren't happening. Uh, there's no creatures living in trees none of this is real right and so it's in this the seven is like a real world religion where everyone's just sort of taking everything on faith and being like well it was it was the god's will you know that it was that and not with any overt evidence we got evidence that the red god is real in some degree something's going on there and we have overt evidence mm-hmm. that, that the old gods were a thing right we have yeah and the drowned god i don't know anything about yet so who knows? Yeah, it's unclear. Uh, yeah, unclear about the drowned gods as of yet. But maybe we'll get more of him and Pike. Maybe we will. But the seven, the seven yeah. seemed like a complete fabrication, like a means to control <laughs> the people. That seems like the only purpose of it. So yeah, it's I came to that revelation definitely. midway through his speech. I was like, the seven didn't bring anyone back from the dead. So come back to me when they do something cool like that, because right now I think they're just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah we talk. I think we've talked in the past about the different religions of Westeros and how there was a long period of time where it seemed like the Red God was like, oh, I, like we've seen stuff happen because you know ostensibly because of the Red God, and really nothing from anyone else. Right. So that's the one I would uh, hitch my wagon to. But yeah, we, now it's you know it's unclear if this is a Red God thing or if it's just a magic thing. We don't know where that line is, uh, but there's something going on. Uh, 
the old gods. Something's going on there. They are, but then we we've don't seen really the children of the forest, and they're just beings, and we don't think the three-eyed yeah. raven's a god, so maybe there's just magical beings in this world, and they call them gods, or... Yeah, but there's also a connection with the weirwood trees and the old gods, and Bran's well, it's in a in tree that the, right now. The, the, the children of the forest are able to see through all the trees, or... Yeah, so there's, again, there's something going on with there's that religion, real even if it's on. not... Exactly, yeah, something... Ex- yeah, but, yeah, and this is very much... Religion in King's Landing, which is supposedly the dominant religion of right. Westeros, is very transparently like, you know, yeah, a means to control the right. peasants, which is a very medieval concept. Right. Uh, like a very Dark Ages... Uh, this is the Dark Ages concept of religion. Right. And... Yeah, or a very pessimistic the high sparrow. view of religion in general. Well, yeah, exactly. But what's interesting is um, that the show doesn't take a stance either way. The only thing the show has said so far that it was officially a stance on anything was John going, no, there was nothing when I died. <laughs> that that was a real thing. Yeah. That's why I thought it was interesting because the show so far has been so, you know, no, some religions seem to generate real results. Other religions, maybe <laughs> not so much. So we're not saying anything one way or the other. Um, so I just found it. I found it funny when John said that thing because it was so definitive. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it's they've 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 taken they've walked on the middle of the road on this whole thing. Hmm. And uh, you know, yeah. Like if nothing else with this scene, I'm just glad that this story seems to be going somewhere. Uh, and I, I say that I that's true of every storyline right now, but especially this one, which you know, was kind of stuck in the mud for the first two episodes. Yeah, we now, weren't sure where it was that going, we have. Yeah. Yeah, but now that we have kind of the High Sparrow seat trying to get control of Tommen, and it's going to become maybe this battle between him and Cersei over over Tommen's soul, that'll be really intriguing to to watch, I think, and I'm sure it'll end terribly for everybody. Uh, but it, at it least it'll be does. entertaining. Yeah, I did find it interesting when the High Sparrow was talking about Tommen and Cersei's relationship, where he said she lies about a lot of stuff, but her love for you is not. Not a lie, and I was. That like, was so good, and it aired on Mother's Day. Aww. and it's true he... though. It's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing we know for sure. Um, yeah. So I like that. Uh, then we went to Matt Murdock, uh, who was training at the gym. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it only gets stronger every episode. It does. That said, I really like this montage. Oh, I loved it. No, yeah. I, this is this was great. It was so good. I mean. How many times, and again, this is a low bar filmmaking-wise that Game of Thrones has set for itself, but how many times on the show do you see just, you know, people talking over footage of something else happening? <laughs> right, 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 right. It's usually pretty straightforward editing-wise, and occasionally way too straightforward, and it just circles back into complete nonsense. Or nothing happens, but, or like, it stagnates, or whatever, right? Exactly, but this was, you know, there's an honest-to-God montage, and it's, you know, compelling to watch. But the story's moving forward as it happens. It's not just she's becoming a good fighter. I'm not even clear that she did. That may not even been the purpose (laughs) of the montage. Yeah, she stopped his stick from hitting her once, which in movie parlance is she's a good fighter now. I guess, but then she uh, gets her eyesight back. So what was the point of training like that in any, in, if, at all? Well, it was to get the daredevil training is so that you don't need your eye to, you know, train your other but, senses. But there was no clarification that that was even why that was happening. Can it, I, yeah, it, I think we're just, you know, we don't I think know leaves us, leave it to, to us to kind of, right. Uh, get that, which is fine. But as it's um, happening, we're getting this whole, she's talking, she's allowed to talk about her past. Finally, she talks about the list for the first time in a long time. And it's not her saying the list or it's her, you know, discussing it. 
and she talks about the mountain, and she talks about, uh, and then there's this implication there's somebody else who should be on the list that the the waif was telling her should be on the list, or that's not really clear. Um, Wasn't that was that supposed to be the hound? Was that who they were talking about? No, I don't think so. I think there's another person that she's not mentioning that maybe we're forgetting. Maybe was on the list before. She yeah. Mention. No, you're right. I think it's someone I, I'm forgetting. Yeah. Or it's a new person that the waif is saying you need to put a new person on your list. I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, but either way, again, that was all happening as this montage was going on. So that's why I'm not even sure the point of the montage was her becoming a good fighter, especially since she, um, you know, got her eyesight back. And I also thought it was interesting. So I said before, if she got her eyesight back, it would be like, oh, she was punished. And it still is like that, I guess. She was punished by, you know, they took her eyesight away. Well, but yeah, but back. again, it's, you know, it's more to it's more to train the other senses, I think. I don't know. It's it's not so much a punishment as, like, you know, a, a training mechanism. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole thing was, you know. Um, you know, he's still asking her who she is and, and all the rest of it. So I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was even more interesting that she drinks from this, you know, the, the death water and uh, <laughs> the death juice, I think I called it, uh, and then doesn't die. <laughs> that was a... Yeah fascinating moment and then it, it, it you know speaking of another religion whatever this religion is right what, oh yeah the many-faced god right something's going on there well that means this water kills people or gives them their eyesight back or any number of things it's not even clear and yeah. so whatever that magic is or that's more evidence of a religion that actually has evidence as opposed to the seven which doesn't seem to have anything so um <laughs> but yeah so I, I like that i like that scene it was it was probably the most that's ever happened with aria in one episode yeah. <laughs> so that was good. Um, so uh, so Ramsey, uh, as you said before, is uh, a negotiation. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> uh, the I mean, this is the only sour note in the ep- in an episode I really you didn't liked, like. This but like, when is when is Ramsey not a sour note? <laughs> well, it's funny. I didn't. I actually like this scene. Oh, you know what? This scene isn't so bad. It's it's his second scene in the episode. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Um. This scene's okay. I like um, Small John Umber's bluntness with Ramsey. That was great. Which is not... Yeah, it's not a way we've ever seen anyone talk to him. Right. Because everyone's so afraid of him. I love seeing someone who's just like, I don't really care who you are. The best part about it is how he's like... He's like, my father was poisoned. He's like, right. Poisoned. Yeah. Yeah, Like, nobody believes (laughs) that. And it was so funny. Last episode, I was saying, oh, maybe everyone's just going to believe that's what really happened or... Nope. No one believed it. Everyone knows who Ramsey is. <laughs> or or they're just like, it's Game yep. of Thrones. You know, people kill each other. It's fine. Whatever. Exa- well, yeah, that was the attitude he seemed to have. It's like, look, he's like, you don't have to like do a whole thing with me. You killed your dad. Okay, whatever. Yes. <laughs> who hasn't? Yeah, who hasn't? Exactly. <laughs> um, isn't that how succession works? Come on. <laughs> so I would have done the same thing. Um, so, yeah, that was great. And... Uh, Randomly pulling in a whole other storyline, I thought they actually had dropped by the end of this. Oh yeah, well yeah, because of the um, the umbers. Right. Well, with the umbers, but also his his offering. Mm. Um, I I didn't think we would see this actor again. I didn't think we see Rick on again. Uh, or mm-hmm. was it's Asha, right? Asha. I didn't think we'd see Asha again. I just thought the whole thing was they just he would show up in the finale and. John would pat him on the head and say, good job. And that would be it. <laughs> um, but I'm also... This is really weird. I don't even know where this is going. Uh, I'm interested in the politics of it, not interested in seeing Rickon get tortured for the rest of the season. Yeah. So well, I, I mean, yeah. We, ju- we just want to talk about that scene? 
because well, it wasn't it? I think <sighs> it followed right after this. I think it was the same moment. Oh, oh well, if yeah, then let's just. Ugh, I mean, <laughs> I'm just sick of I'm just sick of Ramsey and his like you know, black hole of suck. That, <laughs> you know, it just like nothing good ever happens around him in terms of like good things happening within the world of the show and the show being good. But at least this it's, wasn't as soon this as wasn't the, the locking the doors. This wasn't the dog thing again. This was, and and what was horrible about this scene was yeah okay we know the contact the the implications of Ramsey being given a Stark that's a problem right but what was what I liked about it is how they, you know, like, how do you know it was Rickon? And it's, it's the, what are the Umbers? Is that what they're called? Yeah. It's, it's them showing up with his direwolf's head. Oh, yeah. Well, I hated that because it's like, ugh, did you have to? <laughs> and I know <laughs> that, like, sad, yeah, but you I, had I, it to. Was, it was, it felt novel and we haven't seen one die in a while. So, you know, I feel like the show's sort of punctuated so, by direwolf death, deaths. <laughs> we should have known well, it's, it's, when we saw them in the first. This is the first episode. Uh, yeah, we should have known when we saw cute little puppies that this was not going to end well. <laughs> but I, my thing is like, in a season that has been characterized by, it's not good things are not happening for every character, but the uh, general move. It's it's more energetic the movement of each right. storyline. Uh, it feels like you know, the show is just like pumped up with everything that's going on right now. And even if good stuff isn't happening, I feel that as a viewer. I'm like, yeah, like, stuff is happening. I'm with it. Uh, but then every time they go back to Ramsey, it's like, oh, this is like, are we doing season five all over again? Well, everything that I hated well, about no, season five, you're just, you keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, but he's in charge. He's gathering his army up to go and do something. So unless he's going to lock himself in a basement like he did with Theon again, I think this isn't what we think it is. Um, I hope not. And, and, you know, he's making himself into a villain. for the, He'll be the villain of this season, so that next season could be the White Walkers or, or whatever. So. I mean, look, if this is all set up to him dying in the most horrific way possible that's ever happened on the show, then, you know, I'll kind of forgive it. Well, I assume, Not wholly. I have to assume that's where they're going with it. Um, yeah. And the other assumption I have is um, that there's going to – the reason they keep doing the dogs, and they've been so emphatic about the dogs, is that there's going to be this big showdown with – Maybe with uh, Ghost and the dogs uh, or something. Oh, that would be cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. That might justify why we've seen the dogs 4,000 times and why that's been a plot point for some reason. Um, well, what dogs are left? Arya shoot hers away. Sansa's is dead. Rob's is dead. Now Rickon's is dead. I, it is may the just only, be is Ghost the only versus, one left? versus Ramsay's dogs. You know, the, the bastards and their dogs. That would be cool if Ghost, if, yeah, the dogs show up and, they, and Ghost kind of makes him back down because he's a gigantic... Right, exactly. Or they actually fight, or maybe they kill Ghost. I don't know, but I will say this. Um, I would love if Arya's uh, direwolf comes back at the 11th hour to save the day. All right, because it's just gone, right? Yeah, we have no idea where it is. No idea. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if it showed up towards the end. Uh, or maybe when she finally leaves um, and and starts, you know, her assassinating or whatever she's doing. Um the other thing, though, that sort of throws a wrench in my theory is why would Ramsey bring dogs to a battle? It doesn't make any sense at all. So unless <laughs> unless John comes down with an army to uh, to um, Winterfell, I don't see how that would happen. But it could happen, and I think that actually is a viable a viable end goal of the stupid dog plotline. Um, <laughs> and it would give Snow something to do, or I mean, sorry, give Ghost something to do. So 
yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, we go straight back from this to uh, up to the wall. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, did this you think was... he was going to have a change of heart? Yeah. Right. I re- I was. You know, this show doesn't shock me often for like book reasons, uh, and just you know In predictability general. reasons, right. but. Ali just, you know, straight up being hanged was, like, you know, I wasn't like, oh, oh my god, I can't believe it! But I was like, oh my god, this, wow. Yeah. Like, they really did that. Um, I love but I'm always like final moment, too. I think that that was confirmation of everything we've, we've been saying about his character. Oh, yeah? I don't know. It, really? It was kind of him, you know, reiterating how much he hates Jon Snow. Well, that's just it. That's what I'm saying. I don't... I don't. I didn't get that impression. He he, when he says it in this scene, um, he still didn't seem to me. He didn't seem to hate John. It was sort of a. Now it was weird because again we didn't see his reaction to him coming back to life, uh, <laughs> and so we didn't get that side of things, which is why this seems a little strange that he's like, well, we tried, but he says, you know, I think I did the right thing, and I would, you know, I hope if I ever had the chance to do it again, I would do the right thing again, and. He doesn't say it I like, like I that. hate you, or mm-hmm. you, you, or you did a horrible thing. He just says, you know, I, I think, you know, I had a choice I had to make, and I think I made the moral choice. Well, yeah, it, yeah, it goes back to his scene in the first episode of the season where he says, you know, I'm sure John did what he thought was right. right. I love the idea of this guy. You know, you can ha- you can be antagonistic with someone, but without you know presuming bad faith exactly. on their part, uh, which is you know which is the classic, you know protagonist antagonist or protagonist foil setup right. you always assume that the other person has bad right. reasons that they're doing it because they want to do the wrong thing uh but i like the idea that we have alistair who says look i'm sure john is doing what he thinks is right because i don't think he's a bad person right. but that doesn't mean i don't think he's doing bad right. things and I, yeah i really I, i'm gonna miss alistair because i love that dynamic. yeah that back and forth is just huge I was, I was sad to see him go uh was not sad to see ollie go he even had a like <laughs> Even his scowl at the end. I mean, could you not at least be pathetic so we could feel bad about you dying? Like, <laughs> I'm so irritated with you, Jon Snow. And then he's just <laughs> dead. So, you know, whatever. I mean, I mean, look, you know, I have never really gotten the torrents of hate for Ollie. Uh, I mean, it's, you know... I don't, like... you can. He's not my least favorite character in the show or anything. I just, ugh, I don't know. His, his story arc, now that it's over, has done nothing for me. Well, okay, that's a but that's a kinder, you know, reaction to yes. his arc than a lot of the internet has had. And I it's one of those things where I can't tell if it's just become a meme that everyone hates Ollie or if everyone genuinely hates Ollie that much. You know, it's hard to kind of tell when, you know, ideas get repeated this much over the right. internet how many people are just, you know, playing along. But yeah, the whole it's like I don't really yeah, I don't really care about Ollie. It's Ali's. Uh, he had a kind of he had a coherent arc. Yeah, which is you know that's the best thing I can say about it. You know, it made he, some he had sense. a beginning, a middle, and an end. I suppose it made some sense. I will say, uh, I think they undermined him. I, they undermined him a little bit at the end by not having him say anything. Uh, that's true. Not even something yeah. angry, just a scowl. You know, he could have said, you know, maybe it would be sort of a retread, but you know. They at least remind us why he doesn't like him. You know, you, you know, they killed my parents, you know. 
Well, I th- you know the writers' room. They were the writers' room. They were like, "Oh, what if if they just stare at each other? That would be way more." Powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. You know, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have hurt to have Ollie say something, something or at especially least, or at since least look scared or something, just so you understand John's conflict yeah. or why he's so upset. But yeah, which is why the scene felt to me like they were acknowledging that everyone hates Ollie and they were really right, milking right, it. Right, 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 right. Which is fan service is like, this whole season. This well, that's the thing. This scene went on like a long time, and they were you know they lingered on these you know uh, dying people. Well, like I thought, I thought not maybe that he long. Swing the sword, not, and then I thought maybe he was gonna throw his sword or whatever and save someone or I don't know. But he just did it. He just let it happen. Yeah, but like we watch it, we watch them die for a long time, and that's kind of like status quo on the show. I get it, but like. It fe- it got to a point where it just crossed over the line into exploitative really? for me. It was like we yeah, like just barely. It was like okay, do we have to be watching these people choking <laughs> to death for this long? You couldn't have like you know even like one less one fewer second of well, this, and it would have been I'll, like I'll just say it uh, felt weird to me, but maybe that's was the intention that it felt like they were implying something was going to happen, but then nothing happened. Yeah. But maybe it was supposed to justify his next action, which is John's next action, which is pretty huge. And I'm surprised more people aren't talking I guess. about it. Yeah, well, I mean, we talk about how, you know, I kind of accused the show previously of uh, manipulating the viewers by ending every episode on the big moment right. that everyone will be talking about. Um, this is, again, a really, it is a huge moment, but they play it really understated. Oh my god, they totally do. Which is crazy for this show, because you would think a moment like this, they would want to milk. They would want everyone to be talking about this, because that's what they do with their final scenes. But you're right, it's just, it's played really quietly. And it's so funny, because we were talking about this moment for two episodes now. We've been talking about what he's going to do, you know, the fact that his oath uh, is over, because... Yeah, and he says, my watch is ended. My watch is ended. Yes. But they don't... Uh. They they do, he does, but they don't repeat the whole thing. It's just, you know... It's, if anyone remembers the oath, because I know a lot of people don't know or care what the oath is, who watch the show, I'm sure, um, then they can they get that out, or it just looks like he's leaving. But either way, it works. But it's so understated, it just happens, and then he leaves. Um, choosing Ed, weird, weird <laughs> choice. I was sure it was going to be. He's the only character. With, he's the only character with a name. We were, you know. That yeah, but I thought it might Castle have been. Black. I mean, I guess he's not in the Night's Watch, but I thought it might have been like Davos. Um, Oh, that would have been... maybe you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Davos joins the Night's Watch. Like, what else is well, he? Well, exactly. Do? That's why it would have been really interesting if he made him. Now, it might have been controversial because it's like he's not even you know he hasn't even taken the oath. How can you make him the Lord? Commander? Yeah, and maybe he will. Maybe Ed will give it to him. Maybe Ed will be like, I don't want to do this, and then give it to Ed, you know. Yeah, that, that that would be interesting. I would love to see Davos. I think Davos would be good. at I that. just think it's a perfect place for him to be. I mean, he's nowhere else to go. Um, the other thing that would have been hilarious. I mean, there was basically the three characters this could have been were, uh, I guess Ed. Um, Davos are like a wildling, like Tormund or something. Uh, which, which <laughs> oh, that wouldn't have gone over. It wouldn't well. have gone over. It would, it would have been interesting. Um, you yeah. know, if they were trying to do something with this. If he hands him the coat and leaves, I mean, what a what a thing to leave behind, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I thought this was a. I, I love that this moment wasn't a big thing. Uh, it's it's a big thing on paper. It's not a big thing in how they did it, and I I really enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, well, what is it? What it is is like. It's not a. It's only a big thing if you watch the show, right. and I part part of these, you know, which is sounds stupid when you say it, but like part of these kind of big shock cliffhanger moments is they're the kind of moments that 
you see it in you know the link to the think piece in your Facebook right. feed. If and if even though you don't watch the show, you're like, oh, I wonder what's going on on that show. That sounds crazy. Um, this is only a big moment if you understand the context of why it's a big right. moment. Nobody was writing think pieces about how it's so huge that John left the Night's Watch because no one except for the show viewers are going to care. And it weirdly like reveals um, how uh, shallow all you know entertainment journalism <laughs> is. That nobody was writing about this because, of course, they're going to write about the things that people are going to click on. But this is just as huge as anything else that's happened in the show that they've written about, and it's nothing because, of course, there's nothing because if you don't watch the show, you're not going to click right, on exactly. it. Exactly, and it, so um, it just as an example of that, when uh, the mountain kills uh, uh, the viper, uh, what's his name? Oberyn. Oh, right? Oberyn. When he kills Oberyn, I know a lot of people started watching the show because they saw that scene. Right, but that yeah is a crazy scene. Whether or not you've been watching the show, exactly. So you know, um, so yeah. So I thought this was a a a good moment, and I wish more people were talking. I'm glad we're talking about it, and I'm uh, not really sure where John's going or what his plan is. That's true. That's unclear. (laughs) Um, Hopefully, he'll bump into uh, Brienne and Sansa on his way out. Oh right, because that's where they were headed. Man, can you imagine them showing up and then? them going yeah he was oh, here he's so awkward he died oh he just left <laughs> he died he came back to life he just you just missed him right? <laughs> what an ending um uh, now we did get a mention of dorn in this episode but no actual dorn so that's right uh i have this sign that says uh it has been two weeks since dorn has been on <laughs> game of thrones and i really don't want to have to take it down well so... unfortunately we have uh oh was it more than one more than one character mentioned it, or is it just at the small council meeting? I think it was just at the small council meeting. Or it was no, just no, in, it that, was in the King's it was Landing too. Scene. Cersei also mentions it when she's talking to Kyber, and she says, I want to know what's going on in Dorne. Okay. With the, uh, with the well, uh, her little birds, right? Right. And so I'm thinking, uh, we're going to get more Dorne. <laughs> uh, well, like, I'm just praying they hold off on it. I didn't see it in the preview for next week. I would be happy if nothing happens until, like, the finale, or ever, like we or said. Or ever. Right. Ever. Or let's never go back to Dorn. Oh, never. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So what's what's the next episode? What's what's going on next week? The next episode is Book of the Stranger. Ooh. Uh, the Stranger is, I think, one of the seven uh, of the gods. Oh. So I'm not sure what that means. Maybe it's going to deal more with the uh, High Sparrow. That that could be interesting, but yeah, that's a very mysterious title. Well, we get payoffs so quickly this season that maybe what they talked about in this small council meeting, or you know, their plan, the Lannisters' plan to deal with the Faith Militant, will be resolved next episode. I don't know. Oh, that would be amazing. Wouldn't that be great. Oh, I love it when things happen on the show. Right, when things happen, it's, <laughs> when things happen, they're often cool. Often, no, but often yeah. cool. Like, let's just do it, get <laughs> over with. And if it's bad, then we'll move on already, like by an episode later. If it's you know the problem is when one thing happens and the whole like what happened in season, uh, uh what was it was it last season season five, uh yeah. I don't know, uh there was a dragon <laughs> in, in an arena and then there was that horrible scene with with Ramsey and and Sansa, but when nothing yeah. else happens you kind of are left I'm not I'm just trying to minimize that whole season a lot of stuff happened but but you know what I mean when nothing happens for so long that you know the only thing you can point to is like the red wedding or something then yeah if that moment doesn't work then it feels crappy. You know, um, exactly. So I'm glad things are moving along. Me too. Oof. Oh, all right. Well, one, one last thing. 
Uh, I'm wondering if the Book of the Stranger... It's very interesting in the beginning of this moment uh, with the High Sparrow that he, he has a book open and he closes it to talk to Tommen. Now, I just picked up on it because I was like, oh, I wonder what he's reading or what the context is. But because of the name of the next episode, I wonder what he's planning or what he's doing or if this is in any way related. Um, yeah, yeah. I, well, I assume it's related to him, but yeah, that's a good, well... We'll learn more about the Seven Gods religion. Who we knows? will, and I, if we get a resolu- resolution to the storyline, uh, what Jamie was implying is that there's going to be a trial by combat, so... Yeah. But knowing the High Sparrow and the fact that he never really lets anything play by... anything by his rules, I would be surprised if he was like, yeah, we'll do a trial by combat with the mountain. You know, yeah. I'm sure those... I, I, may, I, I would love, like, if he has, you know, his own reanimated corpse that's twice as big <laughs> Right, 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 of course. Or he kills the mountain or does something else or he, you know, poisons him or whatever, d- d- tweaks whatever. It's not even clear alive. if the mountain can be killed, by the way. Who knows? Right, we have no idea. We don't know anything about him. Although, Cersei does say he can't take on all of the Faith Militant. And that might just be an overpowering yeah. thing, not a you-can-kill-him thing. Yeah, if they, I mean, if they all jump on top of him, they could probably knock him right, over. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. Alright, well, we will talk about that next, next week. Next week, alright, thanks. Thanks.